Hi everyone, welcome to episode 40 of SAMA. SAMA is a program where we invite an expert to talk about the area of expertise. And this week we're delighted to have Kenneth Roller with us as our guest expert. He is a natural health educator and inventor from Florida and has been teaching classes and retreats since 1993 on rejuvenation and cellular regeneration using raw and sprouted vegetarian food, herbs, food-based natural supplements, detoxification, emotional healing, reprogramming of limited unconscious beliefs, ancient esoteric techniques, and cutting-edge science. He has a background in engineering and electrical, uh, physics, and computer science, and for 23 years, he has worked a variety of jobs in the medical industry, from the patient level to the national policy level. He's a cutting-edge researcher and has, studied in many, and has studied with many pioneers in the natural health movement, including Gabriel Cousins, MD, uh, Drs. Brian and Anne Maria Clement, David Wolfe, Dr. Robert Morse. This one's a tough one. Victorious uh, Colvin Gus, uh, Brenda Cobb and many others. And in 2005, he became certified as a natural health educator in Hippocrates Health Institute in West Palm Beach in Florida. In 2006, uh, Ken was honored to work with uh, Carita Scott King, the wife of the late Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, and your focus now is developing natural solutions for new severe threats to our health, such as nuclear radiation, geoengineering, pollutants, genetically modified foods and microorganisms pollution, nanotechnology, biowarfare agents, depleted food and other issues. Ken, welcome to the show. You've got so much, um, so much um, you've got, you know, that you could, uh, that you could teach us. <laughs> and I don't well, know, thanks, where, I, I don't know where we can start. <laughs> well, you tell me where you want to start or I can just ramble either way. <laughs> oh, right. Well, the thing that really got my interest uh, from the very, very beginning was returning things back to the native state, how things... Um, have been tinkered with to make improvements. And I'm really interested to know how you can restore, you know, go, go back to the, the, the virgin state, if you like. Yeah, it's very interesting. Um, oh, probably 20, 25 years ago, I bumped in some, into some guys who developed a plant food uh, that was high in monoatomic elements. And we can kind of get into what all that is and how it works. Mm -hmm. And uh, they showed me field tests that they had done with different crops, genetically engineered crops that they had fed their plant food to, and it actually reverted the DNA back to the original heirloom. And within a few weeks, these GMO plants became non-GMO heirlooms, and they physically altered their appearance, their color. It was quite amazing. And so that uh, made me realize that they could be done, first of all. And then I later bumped into some other guys that had uh, another plant food that they had developed that would do the same thing. And so over the course of the years of learning about various things and studying this stuff, uh, I discovered the mechanism of it and how we all can do it very inexpensively and very simply. Um, and not just, um, not just GMO plants, uh, also uh, potentially even bring back extinct species as uh, a Russian pyramid scientist has done with a, a plant. So, yeah, there's, um, we can get into the details on how it works, but that's kind of, you know, how I discovered this stuff. And then because of my work in natural health, but also with a background in engineering and also a student of advanced physics, and also I've worked back in the 90s with advanced technologies, water fuel technology, and other free energy technologies. And then I also manufacture advanced technologies uh, using skater energy for various purposes and so kind of having this background in all of this advanced science and then seeing what was going on with biology um, and correlating it between a lot of different people's work I started to understand what was going on with this stuff so um, if you want to get more into details about that we can talk a little bit about how the principles of how this works and then what people can do specifically um, to 
not only you know convert GMO species into heirlooms, but to heal GMO de- uh, damage in their own bodies, heal DNA damage in their bodies, that kind of thing. Oh, this this really um, this, this is an amazing subject. I wouldn't mind keeping on this track for a little while. It's like bringing something back to the original blueprint, isn't it? So yeah, yes, um, how how. So it can be done by people like living organisms, not just plants, but by, by... Yeah, it can be done with any kind of living organism. People, plants, microbes, animals, anything that's got DNA, you can do it. And the reason is because of this. First of all, um, several people, including Dr. Alexander Golod, who is a Russian pyramid scientist, um, have discovered that the... And also epigeneticists, there's a whole slew of people that are showing evidence that that the genetic blueprint that we've been told is in the DNA is actually the root of it is not in the DNA. The DNA is a superconducting antenna that picks up the genetic blueprint and conveys it into the physical structures of the body. But the actual root uh, pattern for the genetic blueprint is in consciousness itself of the organism. And so people like Dr. Thomas Bearden, um, uh, who was studying uh, how to neutralize radioactivity, and he was studying human cells and how they regenerate, discovered that human cells actually send a skater wave signal, which is a form of superluminal light or you know light energy that travels millions of times faster than what we've been told the speed of light is. Mm-hmm. And so it's this, this energy is multidimensional, and it, it actually is all around us. It, it originates, as far as we know, from the centers of galaxies. And this energy, this it's light energy, it's photonic energy, and it's coming out of the centers of galaxies because it's been discovered, even by mainstream science, that galaxies at their centers have these black holes, what they call black holes. What they really are are superluminal suns, and they emit light out of one side of the galaxy, and then it, it vortexes around, and when it, when it comes out, it's spiraling, and it's branching as it goes, and it's relayed from the suns at the center of the galaxy outward because it, it turns out people like Nassim Harriman and others have discovered that at the centers of suns and planets, there are black holes or singularities, as they call them, at the centers of these celestial bodies. And they act like relay stations or portals for the superluminal energy, the superluminal light coming from the centers of galaxies outward. It relays it from sun to sun to sun outward to the galaxy. So when it's coming to us, it's coming down from our sun, and it's also coming up from the center of the Earth because planets also have singularities or black holes at their centers. But again, what these things really are, they're like little multidimensional suns that have this, this superluminal light coming out of them. And so when it's getting to us, it's coming down from our sun, it's coming up from the center of the Earth, and then it turns out that our bodies have a web of black holes. The whole cosmos is this web of black holes, and so is our body. Our, our bodies have this web of black holes uh, in the acupuncture meridians. It turns out that what in Chinese medicine they call the acupuncture meridians are actually deposits of these superconducting minerals known as monoatomic elements or ormus elements, and also those elements are deposited along the DNA in the, the nervous system, um, along the spine, and in the brain neural pathways. So you've got this web of black holes throughout the body that this superluminal light coming from the center of the galaxy flows in through. Hence these concepts in Chinese medicine of the flow of qi coming in and out of the body. We are basically fractal antennas that capture this energy, this God consciousness is what it really is, because it has an intelligence behind it. We are antennas for it, our DNA is an antenna for it, uh, different structures in the body, the cells, the brain, they're all receivers of this energy and then we rebroadcast it in a localized field. And so, so you can do things with this energy because it is the energy that creates all physical matter. Mm. This, this energy actually is zooming through the cosmos and it passes through all solid objects like they're not even there. Because when you look at matter at the atomic and subatomic levels, what you have is mostly space. Um, you know, when you look at an atom, for example, a hydrogen atom, if you blow it up to the size of a football field, the nucleus is going to be about the size of a golf ball. And then out at the 100-yard line, you're going to have 
uh, the electron spinning around it that's about the size of a pea. So there's a lot of space in there, and it's not empty, as mainstream scientists believe. It's full of this superluminal light or this, these skater waves. And so it's kind of like the force in Star Wars. It flows through everything, and it slows down and coagulates into physical matter and the electromagnetic spectrum of energy that we can see and measure and that scientists are familiar with. So it turns out that we can do a lot of things with this because it can create an ultra matter. So as far as um, healing genetically uh, modified organisms or reverting genetically modified organisms or healing the DNA from GMO damage, those kinds of things, all you have to do because these, all of these portals in the body are created by superconducting minerals that we get from food and from water, um, we can increase those levels of these monoatomic elements in the body and that will raise the superconductivity in all of these places and then that strengthens the mind-body connection because you know you've heard doctors talk about the mind-body connection what well, there really is a mind-body connection and somewhere there has to be a mechanism where the energy of consciousness meets the physical structures of the body and it turns out it's in these superconducting monoatomic minerals in the DNA in the brain neural pathways, in the acupuncture meridians, in these large deposits along the spine that correspond to the chakras. And this energy, this scalar energy, as I mentioned, it spirals and it flows and it branches as it goes. And so when it comes to us, it's flowing in through the, these various structures and then it flows back outward and creates a field around us that you know scientists are calling the human bio field or whatever. And the chakras themselves are actually big vortices of the, this energy. Turns out that the brain is a skater wave transceiver. It picks up and rebroadcasts this energy and it sends it down through the spine and it sends it through the nervous system. The nervous system is actually an antenna for radiating this energy outward. And so we're kind of like the biblical concept of the hands of God. We really are the hands of God in that we're part of this giant galactic fractal energy circuit and we're a little piece of it a little antenna of it each of us individually and also collectively and we capture this energy and we are continually recreating the physical structures in our body moment by moment so with that understanding then if you want to revert gmo dna all you have to do is feed the organism these monoatomic minerals and that will raise the superconductivity in the DNA and these other structures, and that will bring in the genetic pattern from the consciousness of the organism and restructure the DNA and restructure the physical organism. And this has been done on several occasions. I witnessed it on two different occasions. And um, Dr. Alexander Golod, this Russian uh, pyramid scientist who has impeccable credentials, he worked at a high level in the Russian military and developed pyramids for the Russian military, uh, he discovered they, uh, he built a large 144 foot tall pyramid outside of Moscow and was making all kinds of amazing discoveries about it. And one of them was they noticed that there were some flowers growing in the fields around this pyramid that no one had ever seen before. And so they called in a botanist and had them identified. And it turns out the flowers have been extinct on earth for 11 million years. And so what Golod theorized was that these pyramids, because they're skater wave antennas, they have the ability to bring the pattern for these things that exist outside of time. You know, the, the energetic patterns for all these things, probably, you know, Golod theorized the patterns for everything that ever has exist, ex existed or ever will exist is out there in the quantum field or the Akashic records or whatever you want to call it, but it's an energetic that's outside of time and it's multidimensional and pyramids and other structures can bring that pattern back in and make it manifest. And so, you know, here, here's these, you know, extinct species of plants coming back in. So I've seen two different occasions where, and I've done this myself actually, where people have fed um, monoatomic elements or plant foods that will create monoatomic elements in the plants. And when these plants raise the superconductivity, their DNA unwinds, it starts expressing the genetic pattern at the root source and the consciousness of the plant, and the plant radically changes in a few weeks, the look, the color, the shapes, everything. 
and it, it reverts back to the original heirloom. So, you know, that gave me a lot of hope for humanity. Um, that and the fact that the one major trump card that we all have is that consciousness creates reality. And so if you understand that and you really get that, you can always find solutions for whatever problems arise because this scalar energy is the energy of consciousness itself. Human consciousness, all consciousness, is a form of scalar waves and scalar energy. And so that has a polarity. So the polarities of consciousness energy that are creating these problems that we see on Earth, the solutions are always simultaneously created because the opposite polarities uh, are always there creating the opposite. And so all we have to do is look around instead of getting into victimhood and find these solutions. There are brilliant people all over the planet that have developed solutions for everything from radioactivity and, and pollution of all kinds to energy production, food, medicine, everything else, communications, interstellar communications. We have technologies for all of that stuff. And so we as individuals need to step out of victimhood and this slave mentality that we've been conditioned with and start looking for these solutions and utilizing these solutions in our own lives. So that's what I've been teaching for many years now is how people can do this very simply. Simply, but it sounds quite complex. I was going to say it sounds it's complex and expensive, and I'm thinking with the poor people that, are, that haven't got deep and it's not. That's the cool thing. It's not expensive. It's simple. The physics and the concepts are quite complex, but the actual doing of it, very, very simple. For example, if you want to revert some GMO crops, all you have to do is dust them with volcanic rock powders. It turns out volcanic rock powders are very high in these monoatomic elements. You know, you can actually go on YouTube and see evidence of this. Uh, if you go and search on um, volcano lightning or Iceland volcano lightning, remember a few years ago we had that volcano thing that was blowing ash everywhere all over Europe and interfering with the air traffic and that kind of stuff, and everybody was kind of ticked off about it. But that is actually a really wonderful remineralization, and that's how the Earth remineralizes itself. But that volcanic ash is very, very high in these monoatomic elements, and they are extremely regenerative to living organisms. And so you can take volcanic ash, volcanic rock powders of various kinds, like azomite or rhyolite or Redmond minerals. There's a whole bunch of different ones. There's a product called um, Migro Minerals. People can find that at migrominerals.com. And you can feed these to plants, just you know, root feed them or foliar feed them with this stuff. And then you can also spray uh, probiotic microbes, which are very inexpensive, and you can brew them yourself very simply and cheaply. And you put rock patterns down, you put microbes down. The microbes will eat the rock patterns, break them down into the monoatomics. The plants will uptake them, and they will revert back. So you don't need anybody's proprietary formulas or plant foods or whatever. You can do this yourself. You so so this eruption was like a, a, a crop dusting on a huge scale, but you, you, see, you didn't see about microbes being necessary as part of the equation. But where would someone get microbes from? Well, of course, they, they occur naturally in nature. So if you just put the rock patterns down, it would still break down and you would get the effect. But it happens much more quickly and much more profoundly if you, you know, brew some and put them down yourself. So there was a Japanese agriculture professor named, named Dr. Tirwa Higa, H-I-G-A uh, for people that want to look him up. And he spent years working on developing microbes for agriculture, for, for conventional agriculture, failed miserably, and in disgust, he threw away all of his microbe experiments onto a compost pile. And the compost pile exploded with life. And what he discovered was that he needed a synergistic blend of microbes. So he wound up developing that and turned it into uh, a product he calls Effective Microorganisms, or EM. And you can buy it online in different brand names. Um, and you can go to emro japan, emrojapan.com, and you can find distributors in your part of the world for this stuff. But you can buy like a quart of this stuff for 25 bucks or so US. And then the cool thing is when you use it, you only need like a tablespoon per gallon of water or less for this stuff to work. And so, and, and the neat thing is also, you can take the quart of bacteria culture, 
which is non-toxic, it's a probiotic, you can actually ingest it and it's good for digestion, completely non-toxic, it has tons of different uses, um, mold and mildew removal, odor removals, all kinds of things, remediating polluted water, on and on and on. Um, but if you, if you mix a, a quart of that micro mixture with a quart of molasses and five gallons of water in three weeks, you've got five gallons of it. So you can propagate your own and, and create mass quantities of this stuff and use it at whatever scale you need. Even if you've got a very large farm or whatever, you can do it very inexpensively. And so, uh, and, and rock powders also are very inexpensive. And so you can, you know, like say, you can dust these crops. And this has been done actually in Austria, in Austria. Uh, Victor Schauberger and his son and um, relatives, they did this in Austria on forests that were dying from acid rain and such. And the forest came back to life and they thrived just by spraying rock powders down. So this is how people can do it. The microbes are very cheap. I have brewing instructions for anybody who's interested and they want to brew their own. Uh, I have a hidden page on my website that I give out on interviews. So if people go to downloads with an S, downloads.freshandalive.com, you can download my instructions for brewing your own probiotic. And there are also a bunch of other things you can do with it, which the instructions tell you about, uh, including making your own medicines. You can actually put herbs or rock powders or sea minerals or different things into the ferment and ferment it for three or four months and you can custom tailor your own medicines for your own specific needs. There's, there's a lot of really cool things you can do it very inexpensively. I wonder if, um, <clears throat> if it takes you back to your, 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 uh, the blueprint state, if you like, if, it, if it's regenerative, if it makes someone like younger, you know, if the cells have become damaged uh, through natural radiation or, or unnatural radiation. Absolutely. Hey, how cool is there are, that? Yeah, there are multiple ways of healing from radiation damage, from pollution damage, from toxins, free radicals, on and on. We've got solutions for all that stuff. For example, I, you know, I'm not going to go and volunteer and get radiation poisoning to figure out how to solve it. So the universe kind of throws it at me. So I've gotten radiation poisoning three times, actually, and every time it was in my food. Um, and, and I was eating very healthy, actually. The first time I got radiation poisoning, I was eating a huge sprout salad that I had made, and my wife had some. She was fine. I eat some. And apparently, I got some hot particles somewhere in the food. Uh, and um, so after I ate, maybe an hour later, I started getting this burning in my digestive tract, and it felt really weird. Mm -hmm. And it got worse, you know. And so the next day, I contacted a practitioner that I know who uses a quantum biofeedback device that can tell what's going on in the body. Right. And she couldn't see me for about five days. And so I wound up, um, fortunately, I was testing a, a new supplement uh, called nanozeolites, which will pull toxins out of the body. And fortunately, that pulled the radioactive elements out of my gut. So the radiation did some damage, but fortunately, the hot particles got out of my gut. By the time I got uh, scanned to find out what was going on, it was showing the radiation damage, but not the presence of the uh, radioactive particles. And so then um, the machine, which is called a QXCI Skio, it's a scalar energy machine. And because scalar waves can create an alter matter, that thing can send energy back into the body and it can send in anti-frequencies of radioactive elements and neutralize radioactivity in the body, which it did. So in a three-hour session, I got zapped by this thing and I was right as rain. You know, it, it got rid of the radiation and a few days later I was fine. And then I wound up talking to a friend of mine, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, out in Arizona at the Trio Life Rejuvenation Center. And he mentioned that he had come across a supplement that would actually neutralize radioactivity in the body. And he told me that it was the only thing that he had seen in testing that would remove all the radiation in the body. And so um, we were able to acquire that supplement now. We've got that as well. It's called Rad Zero. And it just tastes like water. You take 12 drops a day, very simple. But that one neutralizes radioactivity in the body. And so for anybody flying or in areas that are exposed to, for example, Chernobyl fallout in Europe, you know, or here in the United States, I mean, everybody's being affected by Fukushima. Sure. We have solutions for all this stuff. Okay. Um, you mentioned about the, uh, the anti 
frequencies. If, if, if something has a frequency, let's say the frequency is 100 hertz, we'll bring it right down. What would an anti-frequency be? Would it be out of phase? Or? Well, it's, um, it's more like noise-canceling headphones. It's the phase of the frequency. So it's not like 100 megahertz is going to neutralize 50 megahertz or anything like yeah. that. Yeah. It's really the phase of the frequency. So uh, in the case of scalar waves, um, you, you basically, and since I don't build those kinds of machines, yeah. I couldn't tell you the specifics of how to do it, but I do know that it's basically you modulate scalar wave frequencies and it will act kind of like noise canceling headphones and just neutralize things. And the reason being is because when we say something has a frequency, what we're talking about in this case is that all matter at its subatomic level, it vibrates. And this is very mainstream physics. You know, mainstream physicists understand that all the elements on the periodic chart, when you look at them at the subatomic level, their particles vibrate. And they vibrate, each element vibrates at its own specific frequency. So, for example, and those are scalar frequencies too, by the way. And so when you're looking at, for example, hydrogen, it's going to have a certain frequency. Oxygen is going to have a certain frequency. And when you combine two hydrogens with an oxygen, it's going to have an overall resonant frequency if you can identify it as water. Hmm. And so this is the concept of how these scalar machines work. But it's, I would say, you know, conceptually, it's similar to the way noise-canceling headphones work. Because scalar waves can create an altered matter, when you hit whatever matter is operating at those frequencies with the anti-frequencies, it just neutralizes them. It, what it really does is it alters the geometry of their atomic structure. The nucleus, the, the nuclear particles are arranged in certain geometric uh, formations and when you bombard them with scalar waves of certain frequencies, it will alter the geometry. And that's how you can neutralize radioactivity or radically alter an element. Right. Okay. So, so it can be the same frequency, but it's like 180 degrees out of phase. So, right. Okay. Gosh, it'll be quite right. difficult to actually realize in a, in a product to actually detect the frequency because it'll have to be a coherent frequency as well. But I guess the frequencies are multi-source because each molecules are radiator of the scalar. Right. It's quite complex. Uh, these biofeedback machines like the SKIO that I mentioned, mm. the way that they work is they have, uh, they have a hardware interface that, you know, you connect electrodes up to the wrists and ankles and forehead of a person. Mm. And it has a hardware interface that connects it to a computer with software on it. Mm. And that software has a database of millions of different frequencies of different elements, toxins, pathogens, diseases, anything that's gonna be found in the human body, including emotions, um, energetics. It's got a gigantic database that's been developed over the years. And so what it does is it looks at the frequencies at whatever level of granularity that it needs, depending on what you're looking for. And so for example, let's say you wanna see if you've got mineral deficiencies. And so you can zoom in and look at the frequency of magnesium and see if it's present, where it's present, and what levels it's present, and then it can analyze and tell if you're deficient or not. And then it can send energies in to help counteract that. Um, but in my experience, you still need to do food and supplements and those kinds of things to bring deficiencies back up. But um, it can, with certain, uh, certain kinds of issues, it can have radically amazing results because it can send energy back into the, into the body. Right. Another, another interesting concept, back, we were talking just a little while ago, with our black holes, like we were taught that black holes are you know, massive globs of mass which have gone down to the zero point and nothing escapes from it and that's why they're black. And you're saying they're actually like, um, almost like a star, but they emit the, um, the uh, scalar fields. Right. There are black holes, all different sizes and intensities and strengths. Um, and you can actually, there are ways of creating them. I actually met a yogi um, who, and this was an American guy. He wasn't like from India. He was an American guy, but he was very advanced. <laughs> and he actually showed me how to create a black hole with your hands, and he did it. And what I found was interesting, and, you know, it was hard to prove empirically that what he created was really a black hole. But he basically took his hands and put them around mine and, you know, directed energy into this spot. 
and that spot became cold. It was endothermic, which is exactly what a black hole does. A black hole absorbs energy. So it was absorbing all this heat energy from the room and you could feel it. And then, and you could like push on it. It felt like a magnet pushing against you. And then he took a piece of it and gave a piece of it to my wife. She put it in her hands and walked off into another room. And then he had me push on it like this with my hands. And as I was pushing on it like this, she could feel it expanding and pushing back in her hands. Uh, so yeah, what we've been told about black holes and of course, most of what we've been told about science, most of it's fundamentally flawed and wrong, just flat out wrong. And this is what I've discovered, you know, over the years when you start working with these technologies that, and you see actual results and actual applications that work that defy the physics and the science that we've been taught, then you have to reevaluate what's going on. And so I've, I've come to realize, and they're not just me, but they're like Nobel Prize winners and very highly credentialed scientists who are figuring out that our understanding of, of matter and energy and nature are all fundamentally wrong. And so there are people, particularly in the military and the intelligence communities, that understand what's really going on. Uh, a lot of them have back-engineered extraterrestrial technologies or had extraterrestrial contact. And so they have a much better understanding of this than mainstream science. But yeah, black holes are not just these huge things out in the middle of galaxies that suck all light matter. And by the way, that's only one side of the black hole. What black holes really are, as I mentioned, they're a superluminal sun, but they create this giant donut-shaped field. So these skater waves are zipping out of the center of these galaxies. They're spiraling and flying around. They're being relayed through the cosmos. But then they come back around to the other side of the galaxy and they go back in the other side. And so what you really have is a black hole, white hole combination, if you want to call it that. I mean, that's really inaccurate. But basically this energy is flowing in this toroidal shape and coming back in and it's continually recycling. And that's why we see all of the cycles that we see in the universe and the polarities. You know, for example, hot and cold, plus and minus charge, light and dark, male and female, all these different polarities are created by the cycling of this energy, this spiraling, fractaling, branching energy traveling through the cosmos and being recycled over and over and over again. Um, and so, so that's really kind of the nature of what's going on. So we, is it that we can't see the other side of the black hole, our, where, where we happen to be in the... We can. We can. But scientists... The mainstream scientists that are being published, there are cutting-edge scientists who are understanding what's going on, and they're writing papers and talking about it, but they don't get much play in the scientific journals because the journals are very, very controlled. Okay. And usually when something of strategic importance comes out in the scientific journals, it's not long within a year or two before they're classified by some government and they're sequestered away and you never hear about them again. <clears throat> but um, it is understood what's going on. There are scientists that know that's coming out one side and zipping around and coming back in the other. Um, and they're measuring it. They're seeing it. Some mainstream scientists will call them black holes and white holes mm -hmm. because one side is absorbing energy. The other side is emitting energy, but uh, it's being understood by a lot more people now. Would a white hole be something like a quasar? Is that right? A, a star that's sort of gone... Yeah, uh, quasars are actually where uh, stars are born. And so, you know, I don't know all the mechanics of how they work, but I do know from what I've seen on research being done on them that, yes, they're like breeding grounds for stars, and they are probably full of these singularities or these black holes and white holes um, creating these, these suns. And the suns also are not what we've been told. You know, we've been told that it's like this burning ball of gas on it's nonsense it's absolutely not there 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 have been probes sent by the sun that are showing that the sun is not as hot as we think it is and particularly uh farther down inside the sun it's not as hot as we think it is it's only the effects of it that we feel on here on earth that uh create heating i mean it is hot but it's not not it's nothing like what we've been told and you know of course mainstream science doesn't even know that they're uh, singularities inside of it. Um, so there's a lot left for mainstream to catch up on. Gosh. <clears throat> okay, back, back to Samer and the subject of uh, health. <laughs> um, you've already taught us that uh, rock dust and 
micros and you've given us some URLs for more information and recipes and help. You can make it into water and you can drink it and you will um, you'll go back to a native state. You'll negate the uh, effects of um, consuming uh, GMO food. Is that right? Correct. It's, um, there's no downside. There's, there's not, um, doesn't have any negative effects. On no, that. because you're, you're doing what nature does already. You're just doing more of it. You know, when you eat food, for example, um, nature's really, really fascinating and complex, but just say if you're eating plants or animals, doesn't matter. They're ultimately all that nutrition is coming from the soil. There are, you know, rocks in the soil that microbes will eat and break down and also fungi and uh, uh, earthworms, certain things will break down these minerals into small particles that plant roots can uptake. You know, plants can't suck boulders up through their roots. And so they, they have to have the minerals broken down. So what they do is secrete chemistry from their roots that will attract microbes specifically for that plant and those microbes will break the minerals down. They'll secrete acids like humic and folic acid and other acids to break the minerals down and into what are called angstrom particles, which are just a few atoms of the mineral in one particle or individual atoms of the mineral, which are the monoatomics, which are really, really weird. Uh, they're multidimensional matter. They're not regular matter. They exist simultaneously in multiple dimensions of time and space. They are anti-gravitational. And so this is part of how they connect consciousness to the physical structures in the organism. Um, and so, so plants uptake these minerals, then we eat them or we eat animals that eat them and we get them into our bodies and they plug into our bodies in this way. So when you're feeding rock powders and microbes to your plants, all you're doing is just doing more of what nature's already doing. So you're not creating some kind of chemical abomination it has negative side effects. It's all part of the way nature is designed, and it doesn't have side effects. Okay. Um, now, if it, the reason I'm asking is, uh, is this, this flower was discovered, there was 11 million, four 11 million years extinct. Um, but many of, much of life, including ourselves, we looked a little bit different 11 million years ago. And so <laughs> if we start drinking this, this um, you know, this, um, rock dust and minerals, are we going to grow hairs on, on our backs? And, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, so far, I haven't seen anybody do that. I've seen people do that and get extremely healthy. I've yeah. seen them heal incurable diseases and things like that, but I haven't seen anybody turn into Cro-Magnon. Man, I think part of the reason why probably is also because that um, what we've been taught about our history and evolution, all that is a bunch of BS too. Um, but we certainly do evolve, you know, I mean, it's not like we don't evolve from uh, more rudimentary um, forms, sure. but, you know, this whole Darwinian and neo-Darwinian concept we've been fed is a bunch of BS. Um, and so I think that's part of the reason why. Okay. But, but I also think that when you're feeding an organism these superconducting elements, all you're doing is allowing the natural genetic expression of that organism to come out. So when you're talking about a GMO plant or whatever, it's not reverting, that's not reverting back to something from millions of years ago. It's just reverting back to the original heirloom of that species. In the case of Alexander Golod, he was apparently dipping back in time with his pyramid. And certainly that is something that we, we would need to understand and know how to control if we were going to bring back extinct species, because obviously you don't necessarily want to bring back dinosaurs or, you know, something that could harm us. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, his, in his occurrence, it was just kind of a fluke thing. And, uh, but he has, I think he has duplicated it with insects. I think they've seen some insects and maybe some other plants come back as well. Gosh. So um, <laughs> we're just about to go off another branch now. Um, what's your theory on evolution? Like you're saying that uh, that our um, regular, our current, um, you know, teaching. Well, my worldview is far, far, far different than most people's because I have had ET contact. I've actually had physical contact with reptilian extraterrestrials. I've been my entire life. I've gotten information from ETs, as a lot of scientists have, and this is something that. A lot of people won't talk about because they don't want to be ridiculed. 
and I don't really care what people think of me, so I will talk about it. So my, my worldview about things is very different. But that aside, um, certainly organisms, all you have to do is look at organisms in the short term, and they definitely do evolve. But the concept of Darwinian or, you know, the modern interpretation, neo-Darwinism, um, I don't believe that at all. And there's lots and lots of evidence showing that that's not really how the model works. Um, so what I was told by reptilians, and now there are like secret space program people. I don't know if you guys in Europe have heard about this, but in the United States, there are a bunch of secret space program people that were working some of them in the public space programs, like the Apollo program, some of them just in very covert, very advanced programs, who are now coming out and blowing the whistle. And these are like highly credentialed people in the military and the space programs, stating that you know the United States and other countries have had ET contact, not just UFO sightings and stuff, but ET contact, um, including, um, according to Paul Hellyer, the former Minister of Defense of Canada, the guy who's in charge of all the branches of the military in Canada, stating publicly on record that there are two extraterrestrials that he knows of working in the U.S. Pentagon. So, so you know, these sources are saying that the history of Earth is radically different than what we've been told. There's also a lot of archaeological evidence of that. For example, Dr. Samir Osmanagic in Bosnia has discovered the largest pyramids in the world in Bosnia, they're 38,000 years old, and all the discoveries they're making would radically change human history. So there's a lot of archaeological evidence around the world that there have been extremely ancient cultures on Earth that were non-human. In some cases, they were human, but just very ancient. And so, you know, that kind of stuff, I think, is going to be coming out more and more because the people that have made these discoveries, uh, they're not as easily suppressed these days thanks to the internet and also thanks to the people in power are losing their power and their, their economic clout for various reasons. So I don't, my impression is that earth is, you know, of course very ancient, but we've also had a lot of ancient cultures living here, some human, some not, and that we are kind of the latest incarnation on the surface. I've also, uh, I have not encountered in the physical, but I have encountered um, telepathically beings living inside the earth that are also working a lot with people on the surface, in some cases physically, and in some cases working with um, military people and secret space program people. And there are whistleblowers coming out about that as well. And believe me, I understand this sounds crazy and kooky and nutty, uh, but it's the truth. And I wouldn't believe it myself if I hadn't encountered it myself and seen practical results from it, you know, because it's one thing to see some ETs. I mean, there's a lot of different reasons that could occur. You know, the nature of it may not be what I thought it was, but then the information that comes through them time and time again, over decades, that's very uplifting and empowering. And a lot of it I have used to build technologies to help humanity. That kind of is the proof and the pudding of this stuff. Why do you say <clears throat> that they're reptilian? That's one thing that's always... Well, they look like giant reptiles. They were, there were three humanoid reptilian ETs that I encountered in a very special power place in North Carolina outdoors. And the small one was about 12 feet high. The large one was about 18 feet high. I mean, they were gigantic. They were very muscular. They were covered with scales. They looked so stereotypical Hollywood. At first, I didn't believe what I was seeing. I thought somebody was messing with me. And I had a witness with me as well. Um, but I had been having telepathic communication with them for a few years. And I kept saying, well, if, if this isn't all just me talking to myself in my head, then I have to meet you physically. And they kept uh, avoiding that, saying that human DNA had been programmed to fear them, that it would traumatize me too much, and that it would interfere with the work that they wanted to do with me. And so they, they kept refusing. But I kept insisting. And so finally, uh, I did encounter them in the physical um, uh, with a witness and, you know, they were communicating telepathically. And so, you know, that was pretty convincing. Um, but it's not just that it's been many occurrences and lots and lots of information on number one, how to be a human, human being day to day living. Uh, because that one of the things that they acknowledge is that we are all 
multidimensional beings and we have other lifetimes in other places and very often not human. So they understood the human condition quite well because they had been human in other lifetimes and so they understood it. So they gave me a lot of really useful advice about you know how to be a human being uh, that was very, very helpful. And then of course they also, them and others have given me a lot of information that's enabled me to develop skater wave technologies for doing everything from accelerating healing and improving sleep to clearing chemtrails and nuclear fallout out of the atmosphere for a 75 mile radius or neutralizing radioactivity, those kinds of things. So, you know, when you see a few decades of this kind of stuff going on and kind of correlate it with also with other people's experiences, because I've met other people who've encountered reptilians like this, who, you know, I didn't approach them and say, hey, I've seen ETs of you. Just in kind of bumping into people and having them talk about it, I've discovered that there are a lot of scientists and inventors and just average people that are encountering extraterrestrials of various kinds and very often in the physical. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people that are creating solutions on this planet are getting downloads telepathically from advanced types of beings uh, that are giving them information to help humanity to create solutions. So there's a lot of that going on, and it's the way it always has been. This is not like some new thing that's happened since World War II or something. Because we live in this multidimensional universe, consciousness doesn't have to exist just in the physical. 3D physical reality is just a band of frequency of matter and energy. And so some of these beings can live outside of what we would deem physical reality. Um, but whether they're physical or not, you know, this cosmos in my experience, is teeming with intelligent life. And now there are secret space program people who are coming out on, uh, for example, with Dr. Stephen Greer, who's interviewed a lot of people, or on Gaia.com. They've interviewed a lot of secret space program people who are coming out with this information. And because of my own personal experiences encountering these ETs, and not just reptilians, other ones as well, I listen to what these people are saying, and I can tell who's lying and who's not based on what they're saying you know, based on my own personal experience. So there's a lot of information about this coming out now. And, you know, uh, people are going to be seeing a lot more disclosure of this extraterrestrial influence on Earth that's been here as long as humans have been here. Gosh, I don't know. So if they're that big, where do they go after ours? Like, how do they, how can they hide? Like, they, they show themselves to you. Where do they go after that? In the case of the ones I encountered, or, or in general? Oh, well, both, really. Where, where do they go, like, after, after? Well, the ones that I encountered were very advanced uh, types of extraterrestrials. And ET really kind of isn't the proper connotation. They're really multidimensional beings. These particular ones don't even need spaceships to travel. They can just project themselves wherever they want to go with their consciousness, which is uh, a... Uh, an indicator of a very advanced form of intelligence. Um, and there are, again, there are people in secret space programs and other contactees who have talked about this stuff. So the ones that re require ships to get here are some of the lesser advanced ones. But um, where do they go? I mean, you know, it's just like people. These particular ones that I'm involved with, you know, I've got, I get telepathic communication with them all the time. Um, but you have to understand that they told me that time as we perceive it is a quaint local custom. So time doesn't really exist the way that we think it does. It's not a linear series of progressions. And so they experience time differently than us. So they don't have the limitations of like having to be in two places at once or anything like that. They can be communicating with me or a bunch of other people while they're doing other things somewhere else. And I don't, um, you know, they've told me, um, they've shown me images of where they come from and stuff like that, what their society is like and all of that and why they're here. And they're working with other um, types of human ETs as well. But um, where they go, it depends on, you know, sometimes they're off planet. They're just communicating telepathically. I think most of the time they don't physically come here. Uh, it was only because that I kept demanding it that these particular ones showed up. But there are also millions of people having physical contact here on Earth. Dr. Stephen Greer, for example, takes groups of people out 
and they've encountered ETs in the physical, they've encountered spaceships of various kinds and all kinds of phenomena. It is occurring. You're just not going to see it on the seven o'clock news because that's number one is very controlled. But if you go to YouTube and search, you'll see tons of people who have had encounters with these kinds of creatures. Gosh. <laughs> um, the technology that you've been imparted with or which you've discovered yourself, um, have you found any solution for depleted food where we, where the, you know, globally is um, millions of people starving? Is there, is there an answer to that? Yes. Well, the only reason that people are starving is because the powers that be on this planet are controlling the supplies of everything and manipulating it so that only those who can pay have access to it. But absolutely, you know, the, the argument that organic food takes up too much space and we can't grow enough food to feed the world is absolute nonsense. For example, there's a product which I can't give the name of, but I will tell you this. If you go to YouTube and you search on Ken Rolla food and thought, you can find a video where I talk about growing nutrient dense food and I recommend the product in that video and I don't tell people what all it can do, but I do tell them just to use it when they're growing their crops. But there's one particular product, it's very simple, it's just a soap. It's, it's very weird though, it's been skater energized or something and I don't know how it's made, but you mix a little bit of it with water and you feed it your plants with it. And it will break the minerals down in the soil into angstrom and especially monoatomic particles, which the plants will then uptake and they will get astronomical growth and astronomical fruiting and astronomical nutrient levels. For example, when they originally developed this product, um, they were doing field trials in Texas. Texas has very hard pan soil in most places. It's very nutrient and mineral dense, but it's not very bioavailable. Okay. And so they put this stuff down on the soil on a tomato farm and they were getting tomato plants 15 feet high with three to 4,000 nutrient dense tomatoes per vine. Um, I've got pictures on my Facebook page and, um, and I've got YouTube videos showing this where I grow like tomatoes in my greenhouse, 12 feet high. They're wrapping all up around the, you know, the greenhouse roof and stuff just loaded with nutrient dense tomatoes. As a matter of fact, right now we're, We've got this huge glut of tomatoes because it's tomato season here in our house. Uh, so we can produce huge amounts of nutrient-dense food that's not some crazy chemical abomination, simply using these monotonic elements, using microbes, improving the soil, making it bioavailable. And anybody can do this in their house. You can do this growing sprouts, for example. As I mentioned before, the Migro Minerals, that is an Ormus mineral product that you can buy and you can foliar feed sprouts or you can root feed plants and get this phenomenal result with very nutrient dense food. And by the way, uh, I can't officially recommend this, but I do know that some people are ingesting those monoatomic minerals in the micro minerals themselves and getting phenomenal results as well. So we have absolutely, we can grow huge amounts of food beyond what anybody can even conceive uh, these days. Uh, we don't need chemical farming or any of that nonsense. And we can fix all of the land that's been damaged by chemical farming. Rudolf Steiner has already proven that with biodynamic farming techniques. But when you throw in these, these monotonic elements and microbes and these kinds of things, we can heal the earth. We can get rid of all this toxic chemical farming and create massive amounts of food. And individual people can grow massive amounts of food, even if they're living in a high-rise apartment. Wow. Wow. And if the soil is dry, like if it's in Africa, um, in, in you know, Southern Africa, was it? Well, you can, there are lots of different ways to get water uh, to dry places. For example, you know, we've been taught that desalinization takes too much energy to make it economically viable to uh, green the deserts and that kind of stuff. Well, I can tell you this. I developed a technology, a device that we sell. We don't have it on our website, but we sell it quietly. Anybody who's interested can contact us. It's called the Home Shield. And that device, you put it outdoors. It's a skater wave generator, and it puts a vortex of skater waves up in the atmosphere. It will clear the air pollution out of a 75-mile radius, including nuclear fallout, including geoengineering pollution. But it also, because it balances the charge in the atmosphere, even in deserts, you will get rain 
and the deserts will green up and springs will start coming up. And we've done this in the American Southwest. So I know that now. So there's one solution right there. And again, people can also do this with pyramids. Uh, so that's one solution. But also Jacques Fresco, for example, of the Venus Project, he's deceased now, but he conceived of a way for desalinizing huge amounts of ocean water very simply by cutting canals in from the ocean onto dry land and covering them with these very large domed um, covers, these plexiglass dome covers that would allow the water to evaporate and trickle down across the dome and be collected. Zero cost other than the construction of the facility because you're not using any power to desalinate the water. We have solutions, very, very simple. There's also a man named um, Al Throckmorton, uh, and you can actually go online and see this. Uh, I believe his website is thelordspumpproject.com. But if you just Google the Lord's Pump, uh, you, you'll find his website. And he developed a pump that he's actually using in Africa with destitutely poor African uh, villages that have no electricity and no water. And they're, they're you know, bringing water in by hand from distances he created this free energy pump that will pump water from distant sources using no electricity. It actually, you start it up with a battery and then it creates this, this gas known as Brown's gas, which you can burn and it will continually keep creating more and more of this Brown's gas while it runs the pump. And so effectively you're, you don't have a perpetual motion machine. Uh, it doesn't break any laws of physics. But what it does do, do is in the process of, of doing this combustion and creating the Brown's gas, it brings in zero point energy into the system and therefore it's able to run continuously with no external power source. And he's, you know, providing water to villages in Africa doing this very, very quietly, of course, because if anybody knew that, you know, if it was free energy was involved in it, somebody would probably come and attack him. Um, but we've got solutions for all this stuff. We've had it for many, many decades. So much of what we've been taught is wrong. <laughs> Almost everything we've been told is, is wrong. It's, it's all a lie. It's all a lie designed to keep us enslaved and to keep us being harvested on. Because, you know, as human beings on this planet, I mean, you look anywhere in the world, try not paying your taxes, you know, or your mortgage or whatever. You're not going to be around very long. You're going to be homeless. So we've, you know, a slavery system has been developed on this planet that uses the monetary system to feed off of people's energy and harvest their energy through the collection of interest and fees and things. You know, when you work a job, you're trading your real physical labor and energy for money, which is then put into this, this monetary system that ultimately is harvested away from you and up into the hands of a very small oligarchy of bankers and, and industrialists. And so that system has to be broken and it is going to be broken because we've got blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies coming. They're going to allow people like you and me and everybody to do business and transact financially between each other without any intermediary banks or financial institutions or even the existing internet. One of the beautiful things about blockchain technology is it allows, it creates distributed peer-to-peer -peer networking that's encrypted, which will allow us to create, and there are already people working on this, to create an alternative internet that cannot be controlled and censored and manipulated the way our current internet is. So solutions are coming for all of this stuff. And we as individuals need to become aware of this and start looking for this stuff and start choosing this stuff instead of being enslaved victimhood mentality and just putting our hands up and going, oh, woe is me, what are we going to do? The future is bright for people who are not trying to hang on to the old paradigms. Folks that are hanging on to old paradigms are going to suffer immensely as they already are and as they always have throughout history. You know, we, we have paradigm shifts about every 80 years uh, because that's about the lifespan of an average human being. And so we're at the end of an old paradigm at the, at the beginning of a new one. And it's very exciting because for the people that are progressive and, and look forward-looking, and utilize these new solutions, the future is going to be very, very bright. Um, you know, we've got the technology to clean up this planet very quickly. We've got the technology to neutralize Chernobyl and Fukushima. 
I know personally because I've witnessed it done. I've done it myself. Uh, back in the 90s, I worked with a man named Ewell Brown who developed a water fuel technology, and that technology could also be used to neutralize radioactive uh, materials because this gas, when it's burned, it, it acts really weird, and it will react with things at the atomic and subatomic levels, so it can actually alter matter and alchemically, if you want to call it that, change one element into another. So you can burn radioactive elements along with other elements and convert them into a non-radioactive, non-toxic element, which you can then use for other things. And I, like I said, I've witnessed this done with United States Department of Energy officials, five U.S. senators, and about 50 uh, engineers and uh, physicists and scientists. So I know this can be done. You can actually go onto YouTube and just search on Brown's gas neutralized radioactivity and you will see a presentation about it. And that was 25 years ago. So this stuff increasingly is be becoming more and more widespread. The knowledge of it is becoming more widespread and the powers that be are losing their power and they're not able to suppress it as much as they used to. So it's just a matter of time before we have access to these, these technologies. When Brown's gas burns, is it like a regular flame, a flame Ken? Yes, it looks just like a blue propane flame. Yes. Um, but it's really weird when you, you can run your hand through it really quickly and it feels cold to the touch instead of hot. But when you put it onto a material, it will heat it up immensely hot very, very quickly. And so, for example, you can sublimate tungsten within seconds. And tungsten, you know, that's what they make filaments and old incandescent light bulbs out of. That stuff doesn't melt. It's, I think the melting point is like 3,500 degrees Fahrenheit. Very, very tough to melt. But Brown's gas, because it reacts, that flame reacts at the atomic level, it can melt things, burn things very quickly, and it can also weld anything to anything. Because it's rearranging the atomic structure of the materials, I've seen it I've seen a Brown's gas welder weld wood to glass or plastic to metal or anything to anything because it's rearranging it at the atomic level and melding it. So actually the feature's sounding pretty good because well, it's exciting and cool because you've got this, um, this Brown's gas and this way of actually eliminating or uh, reverting pollution back to, to something which is non-polluting. We've got the, um, the technology coming through for feeding the starving people in the world. We've got the technology of restoring our own health. Um, so it's all positives, really, isn't it? It's, um, it's quite It exciting. is very positive. It is very positive. Um, you know, I had the fortune of working with uh, Martin Luther King's family and Coretta Scott King, his, um, his wife. And I've just found out a few weeks ago that Martin Luther King III is on the board of a company that's going to be bringing out a free energy technology. And it's going to be tough to stop Martin Luther King III and this well-funded company. There's also, I just got news of a company out in California that is getting into mainstream media that also has free energy technology that um, can revolutionize the planet. Uh, and then you look at people like Elon Musk, for example, who's coming out with solar and this battery technology. I know Elon has got to be aware of these free energy technologies because he's mentioned in interviews that he has worked with a lot of inventors with very exotic technologies. And he said most of the time, you know, they don't work out. But he's aware that this stuff exists. And I think that what he's doing is bringing out what he can right now uh, that will be allowed on the market in preparation for bringing out other more advanced technologies down the road. So, yes, I think the future is very optimistic. And, you know, if you're buying into mainstream media and all of that, what you're buying into is mind control. Because in my mind, the, the largest problem that we have on this planet, among all of these serious things, is the mind controlling of the Earth's population. It's been going on for thousands of years, uh, and it is basically most people on this planet are having their realities crafted for them, and they don't even know it. And so they don't know to even ask the questions to find these solutions and utilize them. You know, just because it's not out on a mass market doesn't mean you can't access it. I've met people driving around in water fuel cars. Uh, I've utilized all kinds of advanced technologies myself. I've got them all around my house. 
I don't go out and get on the seven o'clock news and talk about it, but they're out there and people are buying it from me all the time. So yes, we have solutions. The future is very bright, but if you're holding on to the old paradigm and in victimhood mentality, yeah, you're not going to encounter it. And not until, you know, the whole world uh, is on it and, you know, and you're being slapped in the face with it. <laughs> but for those that are progressive, you start looking around, you start asking questions, you'll bump into it. Right. We've passed the 100 monkey threshold, I'm sure. Where, um, yeah, I think more and more people are realizing. I think the worst thing that's happening at the moment is things like TV, that the the entertainment which is thrown at you and you don't have choice of what you're watching, you turn the TV on, you just watch what's there. Very true. However, even that's changing because for example, uh, I was reading a marketing survey that was done of so-called millennials, 25 years and younger, and, uh, and they were asked who's their top five celebrities. And what was interesting, like 95% of them, all five of their top five celebrities were all YouTubers, not Hollywood celebrities, not singers, not actors, YouTubers. <laughs> Young people aren't watching TV. They ain't watching Netflix. They're not watching, you know, Hulu or whatever. They're watching YouTube. And um, and same thing for me. You know, I discovered, you know, I got a streaming media box hooked up to a monitor, and I can when I'm feeling lazy, which is rare that I have the opportunity. But when I can, I'll sit down and watch YouTube. And I can learn anything from how to weld to, you know, advanced physics or, for example, Harvard University here in the United States. They have their entire curriculum online for free. So, for example, I took some 300-level crystallography courses from Harvard University for free. But if I was in that mentality, that slave mentality of, Oh, let's watch Netflix and let's watch TV and let's watch this really negative, uh, hate-filled, spite-filled, uh, death-filled movie. I would never know about that stuff. So we have to change ourselves. We have to do the inner work. We have to do the spiritual work. We have to heal and deal, do emotional healing work, reprogram our limiting and self-destructive beliefs. And when you do that, life becomes magical and all these things just fall in your lap. We talked everything positive during the summer. Ken, I'd like to thank you for the time you've given to us. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. Anytime, John. We're going to have a um, difficult time sort of putting a topic subject to the summer because we've talked about so many things, but it's, it's also absolutely riveting. That's what we've, we've been discussing. There's nothing which you've said which is aligned with what I've been taught, which I love. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, the, the bottom line is, when you get results, that's when you understand that it's real. Yes. You know, um, because like, I, you know, these days I don't even really care about talking about the ET stuff because it's irrelevant, uh, except for the standpoint that, you know, Earth has been manipulated by these ETs. But, but really what's relevant is what we're doing with our, in our day-to-day -day lives. Mm -hmm. And you can live a life where you're happy all the time, you're, you have abundance, and you're optimistic toward the future and all that. You just have to step out of the old paradigm and discover all these amazing, amazing things that we have. And that's very uplifting. Yes. Yes, I can imagine. <clears throat> Thank you so much, Ken, for your time again. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. It. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you, John. Okay. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>